thankful again for the privilege to be here and to experience the fellowship at this place. And I want to extend an invitation to any of you that are up in Arkansas, come by and see us. Uh, Wheeler Avenue Church of Christ in Fort Smith. For a lot of you, if you're going to the Brotherhood meeting, you'll come close to us. And so look us up on the map and and plan on stopping in on uh, Sunday morning if you have to leave early. We'd love to have you and it would be a great encouragement to our congregation. And we'd love for you to come up there and let us share with you some of the good fellowship that we have as you've done for me. I'm thankful for the privilege to be here, for your confidence, for your hospitality, um, for Michael and Carrie and the nice accommodations I had, and for Jacob for letting me use your room. I don't know if you had a choice or not, but anyway, we appreciate that, and uh, it's just been been an inspirational time for me, and uh, I always go into a meeting like this, not only just to, you know, to do what I can do, let the Lord use me, but I expect the Lord to use those people that I'm around to help me. And it's been an encouragement. It's lit my fire. And, uh, and so I appreciate very much, uh, the, the good things that you've done for me and hope that through our time together, you have found a blessing. This afternoon, for a little while, we want to conclude our studies with looking to the end. And we talked this morning about motivation for living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world and looking at our identity, who we are in Christ Jesus, and what God has made us in Christ. And so this afternoon, we're going to look at another motivation for holiness and another motivation for godliness. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, "...for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men." teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, and then finally looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So all the time that we're living here in this world and all of the time that we are saying no to ungodliness and no to worldly lust and all of the time that we're seeking to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, we're to have a perspective on heaven. How often do you think about heaven? How often do you think about this place is not my home? And I'm going to another place that this world has nothing to offer me in comparison to what the Lord has promised me. And though it may be difficult at times to say no to the things of this world, though it may be difficult as the world tries to conform us and we try to transform, we do so in hope, understanding the expectation that we have. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is whenever Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto my own. Let not your heart be troubled. You know, we look around us and we see, again, all of the things that are going on in the world as we, as, as people push God out and allow for immorality and and the things of this world to come in. It can be very troubling. It can be very troubling. And so we have to hold to the words of the Savior to understand that He's coming again. And the Apostle Paul, as he teaches this, he underscores the importance of looking for that blessed hope. Now, I used to work for a principal. He was a very folksy person. And uh, on Fridays, it's the last day of the week, and he'd come by the room and he'd you know just make conversation, and I'd say, one more day. And he said, that's right, Mr. Lloyd, you can beat off a grizzly bear with a wet shoelace for one more day. (laughs) 
In other words, knowing that you've got rest coming, knowing that that weekend is coming, whatever this day calls for, if it's beating off a grizzly bear with a wet shoelace, you can do it because you know rest is coming. And whenever I think of that, I think of this, because sometimes it gets discouraging whenever it seems like the world is against you. And sometimes it's very hard to say no, and sometimes we fail to say no, and we get down. But we always have to understand the hope that the Lord has placed before us to call us out to do the hard things today because we look forward to the better things of tomorrow. If I didn't have anything else to look forward to, it'd be miserable to live in this world. And my faith is not a faith that's, that I believe just because I need something to believe to get me through this world. I believe it's a faith in something that is real. That one day, just like you and I got up this morning and we got up and we went about our business, that there's going to be one day when we're going to get up and we're going to go about our business and then all of a sudden the stars are, or the sky is going to part. And the trumpet of heaven will sound and the heavenly host will descend there with Jesus and He's going to call forth all of His saints and we're going to be a part of that number. And if I look forward to that and every day I sow in that hope, then I know that I'm going to have the courage that I need to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 1 John 3, 1-3, John said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. You know, we've experienced something that the world hasn't experienced, and that is the love of God. And we've embraced that love, and that love has transformed us And the world's not going to understand it. People look at us and they shake their heads. They just don't understand it. And Jesus says, or rather John says, that the world doesn't know us because it didn't know Him. And we shouldn't think that it's some strange thing when those things come upon us. That whenever the world hates us and the world misunderstands us and the world shakes their head at us and they look at us like we're ridiculous people, that should come as no surprise. Because they did the same thing to Jesus. He says, But beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be like. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. When Jesus came forth from the grave and He was transformed up in heaven to be with His heavenly Father and received that new body that He exists in today, in the presence of God, that you and I one day are going to go through that same experience. We're going to go through that same experience. Now, we don't know what we're going to look like, but we do know that we're going to be changed, as the Apostle Paul says. We shall be like Him. We're going to be like Him then, and so every day that we live on this earth, we want to desire to be like Him now. You see, the way that we live in this world is really an expression of our faith in the belief that we're going to be like Him then. And so by looking forward to that day then, it can give me strength and it can give me motivation because as John says, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So because I have that hope of one day being like Jesus in heaven, I want to be like Jesus now. Because I have that hope ahead of me, then I want to keep myself clean, I want to keep myself pure, and I want to keep myself unspotted from this world. As we talked about earlier, for our...
heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. We look to heaven. Every day when we get up, we need to look to heaven because we know that that's where we want to live, so that's where our life should come from. Our conversation should be in heaven. And as Paul says, he's going to change our vile bodies. The word vile there actually means our humiliated bodies, our lowly bodies, I think as it is in the King James. Whenever we look at our bodies... We need to understand that this body is not what God created. Remember in the beginning, God created this body and He said it was very good. You know, there's a lot of times on this earth that my body doesn't feel very good. And I'm sure your body doesn't feel very good. As we get older, a little longer to, uh, to work the Rice Krispies out of our joints before we finally get going. And we struggle from day to day. Day. Every pain that we may experience in our body, every disease, every ache should be a reminder to us of the hope that we have that one day this body is going to be changed. And so since I have that hope, then my conversation, my behavior, my conduct is going to be in heaven. Second Peter 3 verses 11 to 14, Peter talked about how that the earth, is, the earth and all of the works that are therein is reserved unto judgment. That the same word that spoke judgment upon those people in the days of Noah is the same word that has spoken judgment upon this world and this earth and has it reserved for the day of the Lord's reckoning. And so Peter says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? In other words, look to the end. We want to look to the end at the hope that's before us. We want to look to the end and understand the new body and the new image that we're going to take on ourselves. And we also want to look to the end and understand the judgment that's coming on this world. And everything that this world cries out to us with is just simply to try to get us attached to the world so that whenever the world perishes, we perish with it. And so since we see the punishment or since we see the judgment that's coming on the world, then it ought to motivate us in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, looking for and hasting unto the coming. Do you really look forward with anticipation and hasten the day, hasten the coming of the Lord? Do you ever pray, Lord, come quickly? Or we have the attitude, you know, I kind of like it here, so if you wait, that's fine with me. You know, our lives are good. Our lives are real good. And I look at the lives of other Christians throughout the world and people living in this world, and it's just beyond me how that they can manage and how that they can survive. But even as good as our lives are, we still should be getting weary of this world. We still should be getting weary of this world. Realizing that we're living in a place that's perishable, realizing that we're living in a place that is eventually going to pass away, And every day we have to fight. We have to fight the battles of our mind. We have to fight the battles that are within our body. And every day that we fight, it should create within us a greater anticipation of the coming of the Lord. You know, I used to hear people pray in their prayers, you know, Lord, come quickly. And I would think, well, why do we want Him to come quickly? Why do we want Him to come quickly? 
You know, as I've grown older and hopefully a little wiser, I understand why we want Him to come quickly. And so every day that we live, we live in that hope and and look forward to the day that our Lord will come. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Look for new. As Paul said, looking unto that blessed hope. Here, Peter talks about looking for new. So every day that we live our life on this earth, we're to be living our life looking forward to something else. And then that gives us grace. That gives us that disciplining effect that we need in order to live in this life, to say no to ungodliness, worldly lust, and live soberly, righteously, and godly. Wherefore, my beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. What are you looking forward to? Have you thought about heaven today? Have you ever been in situations where the only way you can comfort yourself is just by saying, you know, the Lord's coming again. The Lord's coming again. And the Apostle Paul tells us that those are words that we comfort one another with. You know, we may be in situations where I can't tell you or you can't tell me, it's going to be okay. Things are going to get better down here. The pain might, you know, you're talking to somebody sick, you know, well, you know, you, you'll get better. Think happy thoughts. <laughs> You know, sometimes we just have to say, you know, the Lord's coming. Things may not get better down here. But you know what? There's coming a day when things are going to get better. And then that gives us the hope for that time. That gives us the patience that we need in order to persevere and to be without spot and blameless. 1 John 2.28 And abide in Him that when we shall... When He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You know what? I want to have confidence when the Lord comes. That whenever I stand before the Lord, and I know you want to have confidence also when the Lord comes. That when you stand before the Lord, you're going to be confident. Now again, that's hard to fathom. Standing before the judge of all and standing there with confidence. Not arrogance, but confidence. And John talks about that if we abide in Him, when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before His coming. That's why we can pray, Lord, come quickly. We can speak confidently and know that whenever I stand before the Lord, I can have confidence when He comes. As he says in 1 John 4 and verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That word boldness there means confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. That's what gives us confidence when the Lord comes. That whenever the Lord comes to make us like Him up there, I can stand boldly before Him knowing, Lord, I've been like You down here. And if we haven't been like Him down here, then we're not going to have confidence. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to stand before my Lord whenever He comes and stand before Him with confidence, knowing that whenever He looks at me, He looks at someone that's been like Him in this world. Now again, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. I mean, we understand that. We understand that we're talking about someone that has a heart for the Lord, seeks to live for the Lord, denies ungodliness and worldly lust, lives soberly, righteously, and godly, keeps ourselves spotted, keeps ourselves pure as we labor here and wait 
in this world. So our final admonition to everyone is look to heaven. Oh, I want the Lord to come. I want Him to come. And the sooner the better. I'm tired. I mean, I I say I live a great life. I have a great family. I've got a great job. I've got, you know, I've got everything that I could want. My kids get frustrated with me because they ask me, Daddy, what do you want for your birthday? And I say, yeah, I've got all I want. And even yet, as good as that is, I get tired and I get weary. And I'm sure you do too. And so, every day that we live, every day that we labor, let's understand who we are, as we talked about this morning, and let's understand where we're going. If we understand who we are and understand where we're going, then we have within us that disciplining effect in our life to live a life that's sober, righteously, and godly. To live a life that honors our Savior in the beauty of holiness. I appreciate your attention. If you're here this afternoon and not a Christian, again, our Lord is coming. And you need to prepare. Jesus said, what have you profited if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Lord desires to save you. The reason He's not coming today is because He wants you to be saved. As we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, He's long-suffering. That's why He's not coming. You know, the people of Peter's day, they were scoffing. Oh, where's the promise? of Where's this coming? Things are just like they've always been. And Peter said, this is why He's not coming. He's not coming right now because He's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God gave you this day because He wants you to be saved this day. And the congregation is ready and willing to help you. Or if you are here and you are a Christian, something we've studied, something we've read or said has touched your heart, and you desire the assistance of the congregation at this time for anything, we'd be glad to help you as we stand and say.